The Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. Uh, good morning and welcome to a new episode of the IPBN podcast. I'm Arnold Delville, General Manager of the IPBN, and today our special guest is IPBN member Brian Shanahan, founder and CEO of Informita. Informita was formed in 2012 to assist companies in the areas of working capital and procurement, focusing on analytics, implementation, and advisory. Brian moved to the Algarve in 2018 and is living and working from there since. Uh, in this podcast, we will discuss the various methods to manage working capital and the day-to-day -day things we do in business that influence the results. Brian will share some of his 30 years of experience in the subject to help you navigate the choppy waters that are 2022 with the inflation, the prices rising, the energy crisis and the war in Ukraine. If you have a financial background, you may be surprised at the number of techniques that you might not know about. And if you are not from a financial background, Brian will share with us several practical steps that can be taken in your business to collect cash more quickly from customers, maximize accounts payable, and optimize your inventories. So, Brian, good morning. Hi, Arnold. Uh, hi. <laughs> Delighted to have this conversation with you and to help our members anticipating what is supposed to be challenging times in the autumn, now that we have just stepped out of a health crisis, we are back straight into another one. <laughs> um, but tell us first a little bit about yourself, your background, and your journey to now be living and working in the Algarve. Well, I mean, professionally, I mean, I, I actually started, uh, I, I trained as an accountant, and I was very lucky to escape that. Because, uh, there's many good accountants, and I don't think I was one of them. But I, I got into the whole, whole working capital consulting thing, uh, and it's now nearly 30 years ago. Uh, and I've stuck with that, and I've done that now in... I think 38 different countries or something like that, um, wow. 300 assignments and all sorts of different industries and, you know, a, a whole range of different things. But, um, uh, but luckily, luckily it's something I enjoy. So it's not really a job for me. Yeah. <laughs> but what, but it's constant learning. Yeah. Um, mm. you know, there's one big lesson about it is, is that you can, you can, you know, look up working capital on the internet and see a few definitions and things like this. But actually, the environment is changing constantly. So even mm -hmm. if we look at this year, this is an unusual year. But if you look at where we are here in September, you know, and we compare that to where we were in February, it's completely different for so many different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but on a personal note, um, you know, as you said, I moved to the Algarve here back in 2018. Yeah, uh, that was kind of very much a kind of a lifestyle decision of our family. Yeah, because we were in. Right. For decades before that so uh so we're no longer in the in the big smoke and the, the busyness and all that kind of stuff and we have much better weather and much better food and much nicer people yeah. all that stuff so that's all absolutely fantastic but but again on a practical note and this has actually worked uh in my favor with the pandemic is that an awful lot of what i do is 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 remote work so i'm i'm with yeah. digital nomads uh or i've become that yeah but of course, the drawback used to be that my clients weren't digital nomads, yeah, and right. they expect me to go to them, whether they're in the UK or the Netherlands or Germany or wherever it is, yeah. 
uh, now they've all got used to the idea of being a digital nomad, which means that yeah. I travel substantially less now yeah, yeah. than I did before. And of course, that means one, um, I, I, you know, a lot less travels, which I find deeply boring. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's nice when you yeah. get there, but to get them there, it takes time. Uh, yeah. uh, and actually, it's much more efficient because I can do an awful lot more work because I'm not spending time traveling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, but you you have customers from all over the world. You are, you are working on different time time zone, I think. Yeah. Constantly, constantly. Yeah. yeah. So just you know, uh, you know, yesterday, you know, the day starts uh, with uh, you know seven a.m. with uh, a bunch of folks in Eastern Europe. Yeah, you know, and the day mm -hmm. finishes with uh, you know a call with somebody in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Because okay. right around, and then the next day, and the next day. Yeah. But it's fun because you see lots and lots of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, let me ask you first. Uh, working capital seems like you know a dry financial subject uh, to most, and and especially to me. Um, so why why do you think uh, businesses should be conscious of their working capital and it, and its uh, impact? And how would you define working capital uh, in 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 few words? Because yeah, I, mean, I know it, it could take a long time, but typically, <laughs> <laughs> what I deal with is uh, uh, what I call operational working capital. Yeah, there's there's several different definitions depending on if you're looking at uh, uh, you know a, a particular perspective. But my definition, uh, what I look at, is operational working capital being firstly trade receivables, so collecting invoices from your customers, two mm -hmm. invoices you get from your suppliers, yeah, and how you deal with that, yeah. And thirdly, then how do you deal with the, the various forms of inventory you have, be it finished goods, raw materials, spare parts, things like that. Yeah. Now, uh, there's other people would include things like cash and so on and accounting definitions. That's not wrong, but that's that's not really what I do. So what I'm uh, and this is where it's important in businesses, because it is by in, in definition terms, it is a dry subject, Yeah, like an awful lot of things financial. Uh, and especially to those people who are not finance trained. But yeah. it's actually pretty damn vital, this, because if you think about it, uh, if we were operating a business where we sent invoices to our customers and they never paid us, yeah, we wouldn't have a business. Uh, if you don't pay your suppliers, well, they'll be knocking on your door and getting pretty nasty with you very quickly. And if you have inventories just filling up warehouses all over the place, you'll go broke very quickly. Not because you're not profitable, yeah, it's because you're not generating enough cash to cover cover yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and so that that's kind of, you know, I, I won't do any more definition stuff, but, but where this translates into the real world is that mm -hmm. these are all real things that the non-finance community actually are very involved in all the time. So, you know, if you have send an invoice to someone and you, and they tell you, oh, our, our payment terms are 90 days and you accept that. Well, that has an impact. Yeah. Now you have to fund something for the next 90 days because you're not getting money from this guy uh, on that point. But, so you have to make sure that your business is structured to be able to do this. So, you, and, and you do find this with quite profitable businesses struggle for cash because they haven't, they haven't got those balances correct at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and, and do, do, do you see difference between, between sectors that you are working in? I mean, uh, probably the principles are, are, are the same, isn't it? Uh, the principles are the same everywhere. Yeah. 
but uh, but uh, but depending on what industry and even what country sometimes you're in, there there mm. will be different conditions. So, for instance, if you were in I don't know Turkey at the moment, yeah, where they have mm. rampant inflation, yeah, uh, much higher than what we're experiencing, yeah, mm. uh, you know that 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 promotes certain behaviors. So you don't see long payment terms, you know, and, and things like that because the value of money is depleting so quickly. Uh, and, and also you see uh, many Turkish companies when they're dealing with foreign entities, they don't deal in Turkish lira. They deal, deal mm -hmm. in dollars and euros because they want yeah. to keep the value of the transaction some way constant over time. But, uh, but what you are seeing, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, one of the things going on at the moment, you mentioned inflation earlier, yeah? Well, yeah. one of the problems with inflation in working capital terms is, you know, someone puts their prices up. I've actually had this with someone last week. They said, oh, my receivables have just ballooned. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, why? Oh, well, I put my prices up by 35% because of the inflation recycle. Yeah? yeah. So great from a profitability point of view, but what they're actually doing is they're putting a lot of stress on their customer base because now they're demanding a lot more money to be paid. Yeah. Um, and it's putting stress on them because in turn, the reason they put their prices up by 35% is because, you know, their supplier uh, costs have gone up by a similar percentage. So, yeah. so, so if you don't have the whole thing kind of well-oiled, yeah, it very quickly seizes up. And, and that's the practical thing. The practical thing is not all these accounting definitions and what's on your balance sheet, and et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. is you will run out of cash. Yeah. Yeah. That's something yeah. that you can only do once, you yeah? know, and then that's it. Your business is over. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty brutal if that does happen to you. Yeah. And no reversing from it, but, but that very often happens to businesses, uh, um, because they haven't, they haven't structured themselves correctly in how they operate. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, t talking about the inflation, I mean, we've seen, you know, the, uh, the, the, the numbers being reported, uh, high numbers of inflation being reported months after months at the moment. I mean, Exactly. What what can business do to thrive in a period of high inflation, which which is supposed to to be here for for some time? Uh, I think no. Yeah, I, 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 it is. I think going to be here for this, at least for the next couple of years. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think it's interesting to see how different businesses are dealing with it, and in different sectors. So, mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, there's some sectors that are actually doing remarkably well at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you could mention kind of, you know, oil and gas companies and stuff like that. Yes, they're doing very well, uh, uh, mm -hmm. but not just them. It's, uh, for instance, in the packaging industry, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. primary producers of things like, you know, cardboard boxes, yeah, are doing extremely well, yeah, mm -hmm. and, and so well, in fact, that they're deliberately shortening their payment terms and upping their prices at the same time, yeah. Now, not... Everyone would love to be able to do that and get away with it. They're getting away with it because they've got such a strong market position on top of the inflationary effects. But then there's other people who are struggling because then they're the victims of this. I mean, I was, I was talking to one uh, packaging company, yeah, and, and, and uh, so they receive cardboard boxes from someone and then basically print their logos on it and send it on, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they're having to pay up front for their, for their corrugated board, yeah. Uh, but then they have to go to their customers and saying, please, please, can you pay as much earlier? Yeah. Which then yeah. puts an extra strain on them. So it's a whole cycle that's, that's going around, yeah. which some companies can more than afford to pay. Yeah. More than afford. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of companies out there are going to get caught. And if there's uh, one big conversation in 22, yeah, has been about pricing. Yeah. 
So everybody knows at some point you've got to increase your prices. And, you know, we'll have a debate about what percentage you should increase by and so on. Then the next problem is when should you do it? So should you be the first of your competitors to do it? Should you wait for them to do it and then follow them? Yeah, yeah. etc. And, and there's advantages and disadvantages of doing, doing you know, both, both ways. But uh, this is really troubling, yeah? And not only that, but I mean, uh, you see in many industries where, where you have prices going up and down naturally, like think about fruit and vegetables, yeah? They go up and down right the time, yeah? Uh, normal routine in that market across Europe is as two price points per year, yeah? Which yeah. roughly uh, coincide with, the, with, the, with the, 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 the end of harvest season, yeah? Mm-hmm. They're, ha- they're now in- increasing prices every month, yeah? Uh, yeah. what they thought was a nice fixed environment certain for budgeting and how I'm going to do it yeah. and all that has just gone out the window totally gone out the window and yeah. Yeah. nothing they can do about it until basically all the inflation stuff settles down yeah so I think yeah, yeah. I mean that's, you know, that's uh, very uh, rough yeah 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 difficult decisions to make you you yeah. need to to um, to find I mean to, to to decide on the best best time to do that and yeah yeah. I mean, uh, an, another thing is the uh, is the um, you know over the last couple of years we've seen the supply chain disruption uh, influence how business uh, are trying are trying to manage their stock. Um, what 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 would you would you say can be done to protect uh, your business for for from those? Well, it's, it's, this is going to sound crazy coming from me, okay? But because normally I'm telling people reduce your inventories or you know manage your situation so you can have the minimum amount of inventory you can. Now that works when you have your just-in-time supply chain and it's working, yeah. Mm-hmm. But globally, this is completely disjointed at the moment. So I'll give you an example. I was dealing with someone who imports whiskey into Portugal, yeah, uh-huh. uh, from someone in the UK, yeah. Now for years uh, they they. They had a shipment every couple of months, yeah. So they'd have roughly about sixty-day stock, yeah. Run that down as they sell it to their customers here in Portugal, and again get the next shipment, yeah. Well, uh, now uh, and this is this is very directly impacted by Brexit, yeah, uh, because of all the additional paperwork and this and that and so on. Uh, this this whiskey business in Scotland has been really really messed up uh, in terms of their their export uh, um, routines. Which means now they get one shipment every six months. Yeah. So now they have to hold six months stock and maybe wow. a little bit more because the next one might be even later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and simply because the company, the, the supplier company, you know, has to deal with more bureaucracy. So they're trying to, you know, minimize that on their part. Mm-hmm. But it then means that the onset of that is that, that then this guy has to hold a huge amount of stock, expensive stock. Which he didn't have to hold before. Now that's that's a kind of fairly local European thing. Uh, another company, another Portuguese company, uh, they sell animal feed, yeah, and a big market for them is in Italy. Great business. Their only problem is they can't get people to drive a truck with a lot of animal feed in the back to Italy. Mm-hmm. It's not even it's not even a price issue. They literally cannot get people to do it. Yeah, yeah. the, the capacity is not there in the market. And the third thing we have. Uh, is, you know, we talk about kind of geopolitics, yeah, whether it's, you know, we take all the Ukraine stuff, that's kind of settling down now in terms of many of the food markets like grain and so on. But equally, there's still, you know, all these lockdowns happening in places like India and China, and, you know, flooding in places and that they all have a, a knock-on impact, you know. So, you know, 
someone someone said to me that that uh, you know apparently there's one city in China, I think it's Shenzhen, yeah, where the vast majority of the world's television sets are made. Yeah. Now, think about this: if, if there was a lockdown there for a month or two, yeah, and nobody was allowed to go to work, yeah, that would mean that sometime in the early part of next year, nobody in Europe could buy a television. Yeah. So. Now, that, that, that's probably a bad example, but there's all sorts of examples like that. Like if we take the war in Ukraine, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it turns out that we all, you, you've all heard about, about all these chip shortages and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but another shortage is, is purified neon gas, which is required yeah. lasers that cut the chips. Yeah. Turns out that 60% of the world's purified neon gas is manufactured in Odessa, Ukraine. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, these are things that we don't normally have to bother about. They just happen on, almost automatically for us. Yeah. But, but there's all these kind of knock-on effects going on all over the world. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes little things, but kind yeah. of falling into a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 saw that during the the health crisis, the the the, yeah. the COVID, when they were when they were trying to manufacture those masks. And uh, if there was a disruption somewhere, he, there was a lack of, uh, of supply, isn't it? Well, that, that, that's a very good case in point because, uh, you know, when, when the whole COVID stuff started and people said, oh, let's get masks. And then, well, what kind of masks? And then, well, who makes these? Well, it mm. turned out that something like 95% of the world's manufacture of these things was in China. And, they, yeah. and, they, yeah. they, and the, the capacity to make these things extra just didn't exist. So it was quite easy when we talked about, you know, uh, sanitizing gel. Yeah. Mm, was, yeah. You know, anyone who produces alcohol, yeah, yeah. Uh, was able to do that almost. But mm. these masks, yeah, well, the materials and the this and the safety requirements, depending on what you go, that was a total mess worldwide. Yeah. But yeah. the result of that, everyone now knows you know, in their supply chain where do you get masks and where. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know before that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's but that's the globalization as well. But that's another subject. <laughs> well, well, it, it it is interesting because you know we've spent the last thirty years in in the global supply chain and consolidating, consolidating, and so and basically going after where is the cheapest place in the world we yeah, can yeah. product X, whatever that is. Yeah. Now that's been fantastic for all of us because that's why we have cheap computers and cheap phones and TV, mm. cars and everything. You know, the price has been held down for decades because of, of all this uh, offshore production, yeah, at yeah. a very good cost, yeah. But the problem you know, is, is that, you know, between geopolitics and the, the, the mm. scare uh, in terms of supply chain risk of, of the pandemic, because that's got a lot of people in the procurement world thinking about, well, maybe I should dual source, not just from, from China, but maybe mm-hmm. from Turkey or Egypt or something like that as a backup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that means that the cost of everything goes up. You know, yeah. yeah. Ask you because it's more expensive to produce in those places mm-hmm. than it is in the single source place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we've seen that with the war in Ukraine, with the energy and, mm-hmm. you know, the dependence on the, on the gas from, 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 from Russia, which yeah. of course uh, caused a lot of problems. Um, so I just wanted to, to, to ask you a couple more questions. Um, you know, do, do, do you see a difference between the way large corporates manage working capital with smaller companies? You know, the IPBN is, is a, a 90% small and medium-sized companies. Are there any 
Are there any lessons that we can also learn from large corporations and vice versa? And um, uh, also in terms of sectors, as you know, you know we have, a, uh, I mean, um, Portugal and Ireland are very strong in the tech in the tech industry. Uh, is that all that we are talking about now? Is that will, will that have an, an impact on those tech companies, which are more uh, service companies? You know, the software developers. And... Well, I, I'd, I'd say um, uh, make, make a distinction between software companies, uh, the big software, mm. you know, the Microsofts and people like that. Yeah. They actually, from a working capital perspective, are extremely good. Yeah, because if you think about it, you know, you buy your Microsoft Windows license. Yeah, you pay for it upfront every year. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and and uh, lots of software is like that. So they're actually getting the money before you have the service, which means that then the, the cash flow management is very easy. Now, if you take the other end of the scale, let's say I'm um, a contract programmer, you know, for that software company, yeah. Well, life's not so easy because um, uh, I'd like to get paid quickly because, you know, when I send the invoice to my to my uh, my client, that's like my wages. You know? um, yeah. And those people, uh, uh, they, they, they don't always suffer with working capital, but they can. Not necessarily because the big company doesn't want to pay them. It's because they're absolutely rubbish at creating a bill uh, or <laughs> they quote the purchase order on it. And lots of really nice. big, banal stuff. Yeah. But they actually create the problem for themselves, and of course, as a result, then they don't get paid, and they go ballistic about it. Yeah, but actually, in many cases, they've caused the problem themselves. Now, that's not to say there's not some companies out there who try and play tricks with this, because there are. Yeah, um, and uh, many of the tricks are quite subtle. But uh, uh, and and I think uh, you know, uh, in some ways, Portugal's case in point, because you know, payment terms are quite long by European standards in Portugal. Yeah, right. That's, that's just conventional wisdom. Yeah. Uh, it's 90 days, no? In Portugal. 75, 90 days is not unusual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the weird thing is, uh, by law, it should be 60. Right. right. Yeah. That's yeah. a law that's been, that's been passed here several years ago. Yeah. Back in mm -hmm. 2014, even. Yeah. Um, not implemented. Yeah. But equally, uh, if you then say, take, say, um, uh, you know, so what's the behavior between big and small companies then? Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is the same in Ireland and Portugal as it is all across the world. Uh, the first thing is none of them are perfect. If they were, I wouldn't have anything to do. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> slightly grateful for that. Yeah. But, but what you see in bigger companies is they're more process driven. Yeah. They sort mm -hmm. of have a regular process that happens every time Thursday, three o'clock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the right process. It just means they have a process. Yeah. And the smaller people, the smaller you are, the less likely you have that kind of regular process. Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, just because you don't have an organized process doesn't mean you're doing everything wrong. Yeah. It just, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's more difficult to control. And the other problem, uh, in particular with small businesses, be it solos or, uh, you know, family business and so on, they, they don't get into business to, you know, produce the perfect invo invoice. Yeah. Right. Um, their ambition, you know, they want to have the greatest cleaning business or the greatest IT business or whatever. That's where the, the passion is and should be, yeah. but naturally, it's not on this administrative stuff in the background, which then later on, then you end up with a cash flow problem because you didn't manage it properly. So you get you get extents in both big and small, but the big guys are very process driven. So if the process yeah. is wrong, yeah, then it's like a sine wave 
in terms of how wrong it, it kind mm-hmm. of exponential almost about, about how yeah. it can be. Yeah. 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 I mean, probably the small, the small companies are, are waiting for the, for the, for the, to, 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 to become bigger, to, to put in place those process while actually it should be, it should be done from the beginning. And as, uh, as you are growing, your process is already in place. I, I would say something a little different. I mean, I always use the analogy of the local shopkeeper. Yeah? Uh, one guy in a shop and you walk in and say, where's the cornflakes, Fred? And he says, all three you know, on the top. He has a picture <laughs> in his head of where everything is. Yeah? But as the business gets bigger and then he has a mini mark and he's got 10 people working and you know, everybody knows each other and people make a few mistakes, but so everyone's yeah, right. So, you yeah. know, but then, if you're if you're uh, if you're continent, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll see the people out in the aisles with their barcode machines checking the stock on the shelf, and you know, if you're supplying to one of their warehouses, you get a 15 minute window to do your delivery. Everything's quite exact, and it has to be because organizations of that size have to be driven by quite deep and deeply thought out process. Yeah, are they? Mm-hmm. Collapse in hours, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and there's a transition. And what many small businesses make the mistake is they start off in kind of shopkeeper mode, and that's fine, yeah. And they get to minimart level, and they're kind of okay. And it's when they start getting beyond that where they need to formalize things, and they haven't done that, and they maybe don't even know they need to do that, yeah. yeah. And then the problems start, yeah. And, yeah. And, and the other thing that can happen as well is that just because you're the small guy dealing with the the big company doesn't necessarily mean that you're always at a disadvantage but that's not necessarily the way people think people very often have have a perception that the big guy can do anything they want and will do anything they want Mm -hmm. Uh, and therefore they they don't ask a lot of very obvious questions uh, that would would help them yeah like yeah um you know many many big companies now have supply chain finance schemes yeah where basically you can get paid early for a fee yeah it's common here in portugal here in portugal they call call it confirming yeah um but but it's present all over the world um who asks listen do you have a scheme where i can get paid early most people don't they they probably don't even know such schemes exist in many cases there's many questions small businesses don't ask yeah uh, which means that then they don't get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and actually, do you, do you see some uh, working capital behaviors difference uh, between uh, Ireland and Portugal? Uh, I would say yes and no. Yeah, I mean, working capital behaviors are different in every country, and they, they will kind of yeah. by industry as well. So there's always some industries which are tough working capital wise, like construction. Yeah versus those which are very clean, like I mentioned, you know, big IT companies, they're usually pretty clean. Yeah. Um, but then if you look at different behaviors, say between, uh, just take Portugal, yeah. you know, most payment terms down here are 75, 90 days or shorter terms with discounts. Yeah. The law actually says 60 days is the maximum. Everybody ignores it. It's not the only European country like that. Same as Spain, Italy, Greece, yeah, and, and others. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, from a process perspective, actually, my observation is, particularly the big Portuguese companies, are actually quite good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't okay. what rules they're following, but from a process perspective, they they know how to do this repetitively, uh, you know, time and time again. Uh, mm-hmm. and they tend to be reasonably considerate of the smaller guy. Yeah, 
they tend to be. And I think that's that's kind of social pressure in, in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Ireland can be quite different, you know. Um, in Ireland, if you're dealing with, uh, you know, a multinational, yeah, uh, then the process will be fairly clean. As long as you've, you know, filled your invoicing correctly and sent it to the right place, you should be fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. However, if you're dealing with Irish companies, yeah, it can be a completely different experience, yeah, because that, that rigor of kind of North American process that you have, particularly with the software giants in Ireland, yeah, doesn't mm-hmm. exist in these companies, yeah, and it can be quite haphazard and laid back and you know the, the old-fashioned thing of well i'll pay the guy when he asks for it and things like that yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and 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 can be quite disorganized yeah so mm-hmm. ireland's almost got two completely parallel processes going on one like the like you're somewhere in the united states yeah and one is the old-fashioned irish process which yeah, can, <laughs> yeah. Right. but you, you know you, but you can get through it if you recognize it yeah yeah yeah, if you're and, aware. The, and the other thing in uh, in Ireland, uh, you know, in most countries, people say, you know, it's the big businesses, you know, taking advantage of the small guys. Uh, mm-hmm. In Ireland, the smaller the business is, the more likely it is that you won't get paid or get paid late. Okay. They're just more disorganized. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, and oftentimes it's not deliberate malice. Yeah. No. Uh, it's just disorganization and nothing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but if you have then two disorganized parties between a supplier and a customer, well, then it can get seriously messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, well, that's that's really good. I mean, um, lots of lots of information, you know, uh, really good. Um, I mean, in conclusion, what what would you say to our members, which are, as you know, a, ma- a majority SMEs? Uh, what would you say to them to be prepared navigating through these uh, new economic challenges and 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 what to do? To be ready when you know eventually the situation will will get better. Yeah. Well, I think I think the the short term thing is make sure your pricing is right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if, if you haven't increased prices in line with your costs, you're very quickly going to cut your own throat. So you need to do that. that uh, obviously, that has impacts, but you, that's yeah. the very first thing that has to happen. The second thing is that when when we look at the whole working capital management thing. Uh, the essential thing about it, particularly in a period of inflation like this, is cash is the means of survival, not profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So there's going to be there's going to be many great companies in the next eighteen months fail, not because they weren't nice people and had good good ethical values and all that kind of stuff. It's because they ran out of cash. And equally, there's going to be some quite horrible companies, yeah, uh, who uh, you know break every rule in the book, yeah. Uh, and they will survive because they had cash, yeah. Um, and it, it's just an unfortunate truth. And what that practically means that that for people who are kind of in the middle of this and managing a business, you know, you need to be keep an eye on your cash flows, yeah. Uh, keep your customer terms short. Try and keep your 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 payment terms with suppliers as long as you can, yeah. If there are any kind of finance schemes with bigger bigger customers. Uh, ask them about it and see if they're available. Uh, that could be helpful. And when it comes to your inventories, yeah, you, you really, for those people who have large inventories, you need to be very careful that you're not stocking up on things uh, yeah. you ultimately can't sell. Because that's a problem in inventory. You know, most companies will say they don't have enough of the things that the customer wants and they've got too much of the things the customers don't want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. One, one results in lost sales because it's, you know, 
It's the old supermarket thing. If it's not on the shelf, you can't, the customer can't buy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The opposite is uh, I've invested in a whole lot of stock, which is useless. And that's, that's soaking up cash. And at some point, maybe I'll even have to write it off. That's not where you want to be. And mm-hmm. these are all kind of simple, practical things. There's many techniques of how you look at, you know, you know, uh, demand profiles and volatility and different stocking methods. There's lots of practical things that can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Now is the time that if you're not doing it already, you should be doing it. Because if we've seen anything from the last two years, you know, uh, we think we know what's going to happen in six months. No, we don't. Yeah. Yeah, it changed so. We're not even quite so, sure what's going to happen in three months. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, you know, yeah, you have you have to keep tabs on this constantly. Yeah, mm. absolutely constantly, yeah. or you could be in for a bad shock. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, th- thank you very much, uh, Brian. That's that's really very interesting and useful in- information and advice. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely with uh, for some turbulent times, but I hope I hope this conversation will have helped our listeners to be to be prepared. And uh, you know, I would not hesitate to contact directly Brian to to help you in your business. Uh, you will find Brian on LinkedIn, and you can always contact me at the IPBN. Yeah. So you know, thank you very much, Brian. I don't I, know if you want to say. I would just say. You. A final point, one little motto I kind of try to live by is uh, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. <laughs> it should be okay. Yeah. yeah, we all try to do that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, uh, Brian, and talk to you again very soon. Okay. That's great. Thank, Thank you. Very this has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pink Room. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.